Hey, this is Lee and Sean, and before we start this week's podcast, we want to acknowledge the attacks in London. Our hearts go out to all of those affected. The Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best to get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. JLB credit. Fuck off, please. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the El Dude Brothers podcast. We're doing episode 6.5 today, which is our promised 100 like special, where we're going to take a look at the absolutely dreadful American Peep Show pilot. This is your host, Leapin' Lee. And your host, Slammin' Sean. Mm-hmm, because apparently that's what we do in America for uh, for pilot episodes. Um, we charted on iTunes for the first time. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. I found out that thanks to all the positive traffic we got last Saturday that we hit number 70 on the iTunes charts for TV and film. So that was pretty fun. Also, I meant to ask you this question last week, Lee, but I have a question about Enya. Okay. Would you like to hear about this question? I'm not an Enya expert, but sure. Okay, well, this is fine because it's not a question you have to be an Enya expert in. How many tours do you think Enya has gone on? Man, that's a tough question because if you think back to like 90s infomercials, how many uh, times did you see that pure moods? Like, you know what I'm talking about? That ad and it had like Enya and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it'd have to be above 10. Zero. Enya has oh, never really? gone on tour. Yes. Huh. The best selling female Irish artist in history and has never gone on tour. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I can't imagine there's a ton of Enya like groupies out there. But but in the early 2000s, like, Enya was everywhere. Yeah, I guess so. Interesting, nonetheless. But uh, I do want to thank everybody for all the uh, positive Cove Feifei we've been getting over the past week or two. Yeah, it's been really really awesome, and I highly appreciate everybody that has gone on to SoundCloud to listen to our podcast. And I actually just got an email today that there is now SoundCloud integration with Xbox One. So if you want to be playing, I don't know, Gears of War 4 and listen to our podcast, you can actually do that now with your Xbox. Yeah, or like when Gladio goes on his 10-minute speech about Cup Noodle, that would be a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, another thing I wanted to mention, too, with uh, Alexa and Echo devices, and hopefully I didn't just turn mine on. Stop! Oh, God. Sorry. I couldn't okay. find device I'm totally keeping this in, by the yeah, way. No, yeah, that's that's fine. Thank you for that, Amazon. So anyway, uh, it's actually easier to find us on there if you ask for a tribute to Peep Show. If you ask for L Dude Brothers, it comes back with like L Do You Brothers or, L, you know, just a bunch of weird shit. But if you ask for a tribute to Peep Show, it'll pull it up the first time every time. Oh, that's awesome. Good to know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll go ahead and dive in and start talking about this uh American, glorious American pilot here. I also just wanted to fact check myself from last week, uh, where I said that this was Spike TV. This was actually ordered by Fox, but never released. Now, there was an attempt by Spike, but this particular one was the Fox version. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think the Spike, I want to say it was 2008. Uh, This was 2005. And uh, this was written by Jeff and Jackie Filgo. And directed by Andy Ackerman. Like you said, it was a pilot released by Fox or ordered by Fox, but it was never released, and it's very, very easy to see why. But two or three years ago, it was leaked out onto the internet, and it's a really, really rough version of it. Yeah, it reminds me of being a, a late 90s, early 2000s anime fan where everything was like a copy of a copy of a copy, and everything was like bootlegged, and you couldn't really find like high, high quality 
copies of anything. Um, interestingly enough, it, the first instance that I could find of this being released was actually by Sam Bain, who wrote the UK version of Peep Show. Even though he had like nothing to do with this version, he tweeted it out in November of 2015 with the link to YouTube. <laughs> and I'm sure that the people involved were all thrilled with him for doing that. And those people that uh, the aforementioned, you know, writer director, but also we, in this, uh, we have Johnny Galecki from uh, Big Bang Theory playing Mark. Uh, he's best known as Leonard. And this came out about two years before Big Bang Theory started. And I really don't personally like the show. Uh, Big Bang Theory, but this uh, him abandoning this ship, even though it didn't get picked up anyway, was a good career move because it, it this is just bad. And Jeremy is played by Josh Myers, who is actually Seth Myers' brother. He was on Mad TV in its formative years, and Josh also played Randy in season eight of that '70s show. I believe I'm not a huge '70s show fan, but I believe he replaced Kelso or something like that. Oh, okay, well. We'll go ahead and jump into the actual content of the episode. We get Mark in the apartment, an unnamed building as far as we can tell, watching TV. Yeah, and the first line is the, of the episode is Mark is watching a World War II documentary, and he says, I know the Nazis were wrong, but that is one handsome leather coat. Yes, and, uh, you know, Galecki isn't necessarily a bad Mark. It's just weird, and I feel like he didn't. He either didn't watch the UK series before jumping in, or the director was just like, you know what, ignore that and just play it the way that you think you need to play it. Yeah, one other thing that I wanted to point out about this American Peep Show pilot is that it is filmed like your typical, you know, three-camera sitcom. Um, you know, it is not filmed from the first-person POV. Thankfully, there is no laugh track. Um at this point in time, like laugh tracks were kind of going, you know, the way of the dinosaur, but I very easily could have seen this having a laugh track in it. Yeah. And thank and thank God, because that definitely would have made things worse. I actually remember it was maybe seven or eight years ago, there was a uh, a video from College Humor, one of those like just random crap content websites where it was uh, two and a half men, but they added a groan track. that's what we should have had for this yeah they replaced the laugh track with a groan track and it was really really funny the video is probably still out there but i i think it's appropriate for this yeah and you've got mark and he's sitting on the couch watching tv and then all of a sudden jeremy just like pops into the scene and he grabs the remote control from mark mark is just like hey i was watching that now one other thing i want to say is that unfortunately we always like to include audio when we can um, of these scenes. Cause I always think it's funnier to hear the actual audio. Unfortunately, just the audio in a lot of these scenes is just like pretty unusable. Like so, jarring even with yeah. all just like pops and cracks. And I mean, it's, it's really bad. Yeah. But uh, Jeremy's on there looking for the episode of the real world that he TiVo'd. And Mark says, well, I must have accidentally deleted it. Yeah. And Jeremy just looks at him and goes, you can't accidentally delete anything. It asks you like five times. Are you sure you want to delete? Are you sure you want to delete? Are you sure you lying son of a bitch that you want to delete? I thought we agreed. And really, before he can kind of go on, Mark just says, can we watch some history? Look at Winston Churchill. That is a man. Half drunk and he still won the war. I had a beer at lunch and had to take a nap in the men's room. Which is not like the worst little nugget of wisdom out of this uh, terrible pilot is, yeah, I I could see that, you know, beer at lunch, just fall asleep on the uh, toilet. Happens a lot in the military. 
Um, so Jeremy mentions on the real world episode that he deleted, uh, you know, there was some girl named Ashley who apparently broke up with her boyfriend, but got into a hot tub with another girl. And he's just explaining to Mark, like, that's two girls, Mark. Yeah. And then Mark is just like, right. And at the end of it, what have we learned? And Jeremy just looks at him and is like, what? And then no sooner does Jeremy say what, but we hear a knock at the door. Yes. And Jeremy and Mark quickly pop up off the couch and face the door while this weird kind of sound effect plays as they stand up. Uh, The apartment's laid out very differently from Apollo House. Uh, It looks a little bit like the Seinfeld apartment, I guess, where it's it's more of a studio sort of a deal. Um, Because when you see a wider shot of the apartment, it looks like they're sitting in the kitchen watching their TV from there. Yeah, it looks like the kitchen, dining room, and living room is all kind of one big room, like kind of how it is in Seinfeld. Mark's just like, who's that? Jeremy, I don't know. And Mark asks, is it Shank? Now, we have no idea who Shank is. He he doesn't make another appearance in the episode. But I'm just, I guess, would have to be like the Superhands equivalent character. Yeah, and I couldn't even really tell what he said here because, again, the audio is so terrible. So I just kind of guessed that he said Shank. He might have just said Hank, in which case he might have been talking about Hank from Breaking Bad. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows, but they open the door to see a pretty attractive woman standing in front of the door. But unfortunately, you get this Seinfeld-esque, like, bass rift that plays as, you know, they're checking her out. You know, one of those boom, just like, very off-putting. Yeah, it's so weird. (laughs) So they, uh, anyway, she uh, is uh, Marsha. This is the character Marsha, and we assume that she's supposed to be Tony, but we're not really sure because, you know, she's not married, but she lives down the hall, and but she has some of the same mannerisms, I guess. Yeah. Um, she seems to be, like, slightly friendlier and than Tony, but given that we don't really see much of her in this episode, I guess it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, Marsha is played by an actress named Rachel Boston, and she is known for her roles on Plain Sight and Witches of East End. Um, As she opens the door, she introduces herself and says, you know, hi, I just moved down the hall, and Mark is just like, oh, Marsha, right? And she seems completely surprised that they know what her name is until Mark points out that her name is on the mailbox. Right, and she acts pretty surprised by that, but you know, not really, kind of maybe a little bit creeped out. But she is apparently there to borrow wine, and I'm not sure how you do that because you can't really give it back uh, unless you've drank quite a lot of wine. Uh, but the boys just kind of stare at her, confused, but apparently she's on a date and lied to her date, who's into wine, but she has no wine in her apartment. Yeah, she talks about how she told her date that she was into wine and how she can't really invite her date back to the apartment because she has no wine, and she's just... Like, very concerned about having this wine. But one thing that I, just saying it out loud just now, like, obviously Mark and Jeremy know that this woman is on a date because she is mentioning that she is on a date, but they still, like, at this point start hitting on her. Right. Well, you know, Jeremy... As far as we can tell so far, he's not quite the, uh, and I don't want to use the word playboy, but I'm going to, that Jez is in the UK series. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have that, like, musician charisma that Jeremy has. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, they kind of start both hitting on her, like we said, and they're kind of, uh, they just start arguing. 
just completely distracted from the actual situation. Yeah, Jeremy starts talking about how because he's a musician, he's extra emotional. And Mark, and one other thing is, there's not a lot of internal monologues in this episode. Almost all of them are like actually said out loud. So when the internal monologues do happen, it's a little bit jarring. But Mark is just like, I have to think of something to say. And he just blurts out, movies are nice. And then Jeremy looks at Mark with disgust. And internally, Jeremy is just like, he interrupted me. This will not stand. And Mark is, Mark is trying to like carry on a conversation about movies. And he's talking about, like, I like comedies. And some movies are funny. Yeah, it's definitely strange. Um, Jeremy pulls out this giant boombox and starts playing, which is the, I guess, the equivalent of this is outrageous, but it's like, this is outrageous. It's still kind of like fun, you know? Like, I know the first time that I discovered that there was an actual music video for it on YouTube, I thought it was hilarious that, that, you know, this, like, you get maybe 10 seconds of it and it's more than enough. Yeah. And it's weird because, you know, 2005 was only 12 years ago. But looking at the technology in this episode, like the boombox and the the fucking house phone, it it, it felt like it was 1989. Yo, for real, because like ever, you know, not everybody had iPods in 2005, but they were around. Yeah, you know? like yeah, cell phones were a pretty commonplace by then. You know, I yeah, I had a cell phone in 2005. I fondly remember my Nokia 5165. It's still the best phone I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thing was indestructible. But uh, anyway, so Mark and Jeremy just are arguing, and Marcia just at this point doesn't even seem interested in trying to continue the conversation, and just sort of circumvents the two of them and goes over and basically steals a bottle of wine off the shelf. Yeah, and Mark and Jeremy are having this weird conversation where Jeremy Jeremy basically just tells Mark, like, oh, you shouldn't hit on that girl, you've got that girl from work, I'm, I'm a dragonfly, you're a worker bee, and <laughs> the... <laughs> I, I feel bad even laughing at this line because it was really stupid, but he's like, I'm a dragonfly, man. I fly around and he just puts his arms out and just like kind of flaps his arms up and down. Yeah. And then something about how, you know, bees aren't colorful and Mark says, Oh, but they're yellow. He's like, well, dragonflies are purple. How about that? Or something. It was a dumb conversation. I, I, (laughs) but, uh, we've definitely overanalyzed that part. But so anyway, they both realize that Marsha left the apartment. So, well, fuck it. What are they going to do? They're going to go back to sitting down on the couch watching TV. Yeah, and Mark just asked Jeremy if the movie stuff was lame. Jeremy doesn't really answer him, but Mark is just like, we're doing all right. We're doing awesome. And then we just kind of get a smash cut into the intro credits, which... Um, the, you know, 2005 was kind of a time period where I feel like that they were starting to phase out opening credits in the TV show. And this one definitely feels like it because the whole opening sequence is maybe 15 seconds long. Probably. And it's just Jeremy and Mark walking down the street and then this logo pops over, um, says Peep Show, and then there's two eyes that appear in the peas. And I didn't mind the logo until the googly eyes were put into the P's and then it, it just kind of looked hokey and way out of date. But 
what I didn't like about it, what I like about the UK intro is that it's just like the two of them and they're just regular dudes and they run into each other on the street. Here it's like, oh, here's these two bad motherfuckers walking around. Yeah, like, I did. I I get what you I get what you're saying. Uh, I get what you're saying in that regard. Like they're wearing, I think they're both wearing suits or something weird like that. Yeah, Mark's wearing a trench coat and like looking around like he's fucking Magnum PI or something. Yeah. Like it, it just for me, it it doesn't work. But uh, the next scene is, and I think maybe we already mentioned this whole episode is kind of an amalgamation of like the first few episodes of the UK series. So it ho- it hops around a lot. Yeah, I mean it has jokes from warring factions, it has jokes from interview and it has jokes from um Mark makes a friend I think are all Yeah, I believe so. And I want to use the term jokes very loosely here because it's sh- it is just recycled and the lack of chemistry between and and the amount of overacting just really kills a lot of them but yeah um so this is more or less a shot by shot remake of mark's first scene from warring factions where he's on the bus and gets uh sophie to sit next to him and sophie accidentally sits on his hand yeah and we get the same kind of interactions with mark thinking about his hand under sophie's bottom and um her disgusted reaction when she sees what her you know she when she sees that mark's hand is on there and Mark has this weird line where he's like on the bus and he's trying to flag Sophie down to come over to his seat uh, to sit next to him. Mm-hmm. And he just is like, be, spo- be smooth, be P. Diddy. And then he just blurts out Sophie in like this really like loud kind of jarring voice. Um, but Sophie in this episode is played by Alexandra Holden. Um, she's been in a lot of little things, but nothing really big. Probably her biggest thing that she was in is she was in the movie hot chick with rob with rob schneider schneider yeah he's uh yeah yeah, good old the animal and the herp de derp like you know rob schneider's gonna take her career straight to the top yeah yeah yep so uh (laughs) and that being said i feel like the sophie the casting i think that sophie is probably the closest like comparison and character to the uk series yeah, I agree. I I couldn't see like UK Jeremy being super upset about missing a, a episode of Geordie Shore or, or you know Real World or or whatever right. you know the UK equivalent to that stuff is. Yeah. So back at the apartment, we're back to Jeremy, and he decides that he's going to mess him up some keyboard and. Again, something that UK Jeremy would just never say, I don't think. Uh, But he's sitting there, and he starts his synthesizer up, and he's kind of standing there in his underwear. You see his room's a mess. Uh, We still get kind of like the the uh, half-painted room, but it's it's a little bit more obvious because it's only one wall. But uh, as he starts playing on his keyboard, he he starts to play a pretty familiar song and gets really excited about how awesome it sounds and starts dancing around to it. And he's like, yes, I've done it. I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty, I mean, like, honestly, there was not a lot of scenes that, that made me laugh, but he inadvertently starts playing the Beverly Hill cop, the Beverly Hills cop theme. And he starts getting really excited about how awesome it sounds and he's just like moving and grooving and he's just doing his thing. And um, also in this scene, we get a lot of kind of flipping back and forth between Jeremy and Mark um, because right as Jeremy's like hitting his apex of happiness, it flashes back to Mark 
And um, this is at at this point, Sophie realizes that Mark's hand is under her butt, and uh, Jimmy Galecki is is trying or Johnny, excuse me, Galecki is trying to say, you know, like, oh, I was gonna gonna tell you, but I was gonna tell you. And then she just kind of like gives him the cold shoulder at that point. Yeah. Now, while there's a lot of differences between U.S. Mark and U.K. Mark, I feel like this version of Mark and Leonard from Big Bang Theory probably are relatively similar. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if it helped him get picked up for Big Bang Theory, even though it was terrible. But just kind of that nerdy, like, mousy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that in my entire life... I've only watched one episode of Big Bang Theory, and I always assumed that Sheldon was the main character on the show. I didn't realize that Johnny Galecki was actually the main character. Yeah. Sheldon is the only one that you hear about. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, like, my mother-in-law watches it, so I'm forced to watch it when we go visit for Christmas and stuff, but that's about <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, back at the apartment, Jeremy is, like, really getting down, and he's like, I've done it! I can't stop dancing! And then... And then we get then it flashes back to Sophie and Mark on the bus and they're sitting there awkwardly. And then it just flashes back to Jeremy and Jeremy looks like that he is about to cry. And he goes to his collection of vinyl and he finds the Beverly Hills Cop record and he starts playing the Beverly Hills Cop theme and then he just throws the record out the window in a fit of rage, which I which <laughs> I actually thought was really funny cuz he just like wings this record straight out a window. <laughs> well, uh, I believe it was NoFX ask actually released a record called like a very fine frisbee or something like that <laughs> on vinyl. So, but uh, yeah. anyway, I'm a I'm a vinyl collector, so I'm kind of a nerd about it. So we get a weird interlude where uh, "Relax" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood starts to play. And we see a very depressed Jeremy eating cereal in his bathrobe, just kind of looking at, you know, like one of those little crappy white, like, I, I don't know, portable type TVs or. Yeah, it's got like a probably a, a 10 to 12 inch screen. Yeah. And <laughs> it's probably uh, like, it's weird to me to see, you know, because like I said, 2005 was 12 years ago. Okay. Like I said, looking at the technology in the show, uh, it might as well have been, you know, way older than that. In fact, one of my friends that watched this episode, he actually texted me and said, was this filmed in, like, 1990? <laughs> I, I had to tell him, like, no, no, it was not. It was filmed in 2005. Well, and, like, you know, we had flat screens. I bought my first flat screen in 2005, you know, but... I mean, I get it. These are two guys, and they're still kind of on the up and coming. So, yeah, okay, they might not have the nicest stuff, but there's it's, there's a lot of non sequiturs. Yeah, it's it's super weird. Like this little micro TV, um, the large boombox. I mean, it's just some some parts of this show make it look like that it was like that the time period that this show was meant to be filmed in is like the '80s, but they don't wear '80s fashion. But all the music in here is from the eighties. Like I don't, I, I don't get what they were going for. There's so much about this that is just confusing and wrong and bad. And I can, 
definitely see why this show did not get picked up by Fox. But without going down too far the rabbit hole, because you'll hear enough of us bitching about this show uh, for the next 20 minutes or so anyway. Uh, so Mark walks over to Jeremy with a cup of coffee in his hand. And this is sort of like the scene from the interview where uh, Mark tries to get Jeremy a job or he does get Jeremy an interview at JLB. But in this version, he's really just wanting Jeremy to look for a job. Yeah, and he has this he has this little monologue where he's like, you know, when you and Feruza broke up, you know, I was kind of happy that you were going to move back in here because it was going to be the Marksman and Jazzy Jeremy. Oh, but God. you haven't you haven't paid rent and uh that's kind of come in between us and Jeremy is just like insistent that his music is about to take off. Oh, and we go from the you know, the fantastic L dude brothers to the marksman and jazzy Jeremy, which is why we introduced ourselves like jackasses at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so one ahead. thing, one thing about this, do you think Feruja Balk would have played Feruza if we had ever met her? Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not really familiar with who that is. Um, I just think they, they left so many other things the same. They just should have left it with big Sue's. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was weird. Um, Except I, I'm sure that giving American sensitivities in 2005, Big Sue's would have ended up being a caricature and that wouldn't have been very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's just, uh, and in this, this scene, I think more than anyone that we've seen so far, you just see the complete lack of chemistry between the two. Absolutely. Very awkward uh, interaction there. So later, Mark uh, goes to R, what is it, RMFA, the Regional Midwestern Financial Fiduciary Association. Yeah, I just assumed that was the American branch of JLB. Yeah, but he's waiting for an elevator, and inside there's two people that we're about to meet. Appear to be uh, making out in the elevator before the doors open and Mark walks in. Yeah, we get to meet. Aaron and Mr. Burton and Mark makes some small talk with Mr. Burton and Mr. Burton tells Mark to just call him Jerry and pretty sure that Aaron is supposed to be kind of their version of Barbara, which I can assume that she's not a racist, but she's probably like a flaming liberal since she's the bizarro Barbara. But I have no idea who Jerry is supposed to be like, cause he's not Alan. He's obviously not Alan, but yeah, I don't know. It's no. weird. But then we get introduced to a character called Jonesy. And uh, we, we had a little bit of a discussion about Jonesy before the episode we'll get into here. But he's played, he's played by Michael Landis, who's best known as Jimmy Olsen on the TV show Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Yeah, he, has, he hasn't really done much, um, much outside of that. But uh, so I think Jonesy is supposed to be kind of Jeff's uh, uh, counterpart and... You see some of the same stuff that Jeff uh, Jonesy does to Mark, some of the same stuff that Jeff does to Mark. But I think Jonesy does it in a much more polite way. And he, I don't think he ever, like, when, as soon as you meet Jeff, you know he's a dickhead. But, Jones, but Jonesy doesn't seem like as much of an outward dickhead, like, maybe in other ways. We kind of glossed over this part, but when the elevator gets up to whatever floor they're going up to, Jerry walks out of the elevator and Mark just goes, see you later, Jer. And then Aaron kind of pulls Mark off to the side and she like chides him. 
And she says, don't make me talk to you about this again. And Mark is just like, but you haven't talked to me about this before. And she goes, well, don't make me do it again. And as she walks off, she like politely says hi to Jonesy. And then Mark just looks at Jonesy and goes, why is Aaron way nicer to you than she is to me? And Jonesy is just like, oh, because I fucked her at the company retreat last year. <laughs> and, you know, Mark, uh, you know, says we had a retreat last year. Now, obviously, he was not invited. And uh, Jonesy just kind of scoffs and says, oh, uh, yeah, uh, no, he didn't. Yeah. And and at this point, Sophie pretty much just kind of walks up to Mark and Mark just comments that she's in the same sweater that she wore to a meeting last week. Mark worries that she's going to think he's weird, but Sophie thinks it's kind of cute that he remembers what she was wearing. Um, but of course in true Mark fashion, he ruins it by the, he ruins it at the end and he just says later potato. And then as he sits down at his desk, he's just like a later potato. Oh yeah, that's good. And this leads us directly into the crazy Nazi love storyline from the second episode of the UK show. Mark finds a cartoon on his desk with a kangaroo and the word work on it. And Mark's trying to draw out a response, which uh, it, I don't like this part because he actually, instead of saying, what would Jeremy do? He actually runs out of the building with a book to, to find Jeremy at a little street cafe and tells Jeremy that they think he's taking a shit and he made sure that he took a book with him because everybody knows that that's what he does. It's it's weird. It's forced. I don't like it. On this Seinfeld podcast that I listen to, they always make comments when the characters just happen to bump into each other in Manhattan. And they always you know make this joke about Manhattan, such a small city. Of course, it's easy to find people. <laughs> and they never really say what city this takes place in, but I... And probably just going to go out on a limb and assume it's New York. I mean, don't you, wouldn't you agree with that? Probably. Yeah. I mean, generic, large American city. Take your pick. Yeah. But somehow in this small city, he manages to find Jeremy who is eating at a street cafe. And it's almost as if they've done this before because Jeremy just like pretty much snaps his fingers and says, let me see the cartoon. All right, and uh, so he sees the original cartoon and then asks for Mark's response, and he's got basically the same thing that um, that it was in the UK episode, just without the swastika on it. Yeah, and Mark just tells Jeremy, I have to believe that no woman would draw a cartoon for a man unless she wanted to have sex with him. And in a line, <laughs> and this line was also in... <laughs> the uh, the interview episode where Mark looks at the the cartoon and he goes that is so gay but <laughs> it's so jarring for me to hear that in in 2017 like that that line would they would find a million other ways to <laughs> phrase that line instead of Jeremy just going that's just gay well and I think I think it's also different with Mark in the UK series internalizing it versus it being spoken by a third party like for yeah. some reason it just it felt different it felt oh, more okay um yeah, but uh, i yeah. didn't think about that but so uh mark kind of then uh looks at the cover of the book that he has and sees the big old swastika on the front and then has the idea much like in that episode in the uk episode where he's gonna put the swastika inside the heart yeah yeah and then it flashes back to mark inside of rmfa 
and he's just singing relax don't do it what how does it how does it go relax don't do it when a swastika heart cartoon cartoon it i, I like it, he tries to do the same thing that in the uk episode but that they, that they did was something stupid except mark's something stupid in the uk version was actually good and this was just shit yeah and he thinks that this cartoon with the Nazi heart on it is going to make Sophie hot. And so he puts it on her computer desk and he looks up and there's an African-American coworker that's looking back at him. They don't say anything, but then Mark all of a sudden gets like super self-conscious. And then he just like runs back over to it. Well, I shouldn't even say run. He like prances over to his desk. I was going to use the word scurry. Yeah. It's, he does kind of this weird, like, Hop skip and yeah, hop skip deal. It's and so weird. We we would never see UK Mark do that. But back no. at the street cafe, Jeremy's eating tacos or something, and just wondering what Billy Idol is doing for some reason. You know, just internally thinking, yeah, when I get famous, I'm just going to call him up and be like, "Hey, what's up, Billy Idol?" Yeah, totally useless scene. Yeah, and I I feel like that the mentioning of Winston Churchill, the the mentioning of Billy Idol. Is all just nods to the British roots of this show. And granted, Billy Idol is, you know, like has kind of transcended his nationality. And it wouldn't like surprise me that somebody from America would, would, you know, think of Billy Idol. But again, what time period is this filmed in? Because I could think of a lot of other more pertinent punk bands. Sure. You know, that he could have mentioned. I mean, if we're talking early 2000s, I mean, hell, that was the, the pop punk explosion. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, or, you know, yeah, it just, it, it just is weird that he picks Billy Idol, which leads me to believe that maybe this episode was supposed to be set in the 80s. Like, that's the only thing that I can think of. I guess, but... There, but the tech, there are technologies that you see, like everybody's got a computer at their desk. There's, uh, you know, fairly decent uh, cordless phones. Like, I just, I, uh, I yeah. think that, I think that maybe the budget was so crappy, maybe that they just were like, okay, what do we have back there in the prop room? Like, let's just pull all that shit out and we'll just like set it around, and you know, it'll look like a show. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The apartment is the apartment is especially shitty looking, right? But uh, so back at the office, Mark realizes that swastikas really don't make women hot, and heads over to Sophie's desk to try to snatch the cartoon back. Yeah, and he has this. Uh, uh, the we talked about we talked about a couple episodes ago in a in a dream job where David Mitchell's face is just amazing. And this is the only time where Johnny Galecki gets that same kind of look on his face. And he just is starting to worry about having the nickname of Mark the Nazi. (laughs) And then he heads over to Sophie's desk and he realizes the cartoon is gone. And he's just like, oh, shit. Yep, definitely panicking. So uh, in the next scene, kind of completely removed from... The last couple uh, we see inside of Marsha's apartment that she's got a lot of boxes sitting around for a company called Gemway, which basically mirrors the scene in the interview where Jeremy's asking Tony for a fax machine and she just roasts him before roping him into the pyramid scheme. In this version, it's a little bit different. 
Um, she doesn't really like roast him for asking if she has a fax machine, even though I think it's still totally like strange that somebody would even ask, you know, Oh, do you have a personal fax machine? Um, one thing that I liked on Jeremy's, um, resume is it has the word raconteur on it. Like, <laughs> and it does describe him because a raconteur is kind of like a storyteller. Um, but I don't really think that he knows what this word means. He probably just heard somebody say it and was like, oh, that sounds good. Well, and that would be a UK Jeremy thing to do. That's true. Like, hey, this sounds good. Let's glom onto it and ride this for all it's worth. I get that. But uh, so Marsha gets a phone call while they're sitting there from her supposed boyfriend. And we find out that she's actually kind of crazy and has called him six times that day. Um, you know, she makes a bunch of arguments like, oh, where your caller ID must be wrong. And by the end of the call, he ends up being her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And Jeremy just sees this as a chance to make a move. He puts his arm around her and he tells her that she can talk with him because he's the musician down the hall. And Marsha immediately goes into the, well, I've got a question for you. And Jeremy gets all excited. <laughs> she just goes. How much dishwashing do you think you could do without dishwashing soap? Could you clean a pot or pan without using a sponge or scouring pad? I want to get one thing out of the way. This is not a pyramid scheme. And then she immediately <laughs> says, but I want to get you involved in this pyramid scheme. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of those things, too, where um, as, uh, you know, an American raised here, lived here my whole life. Like you look at the British version of this scene where Tony is just like, how much washing up do you think you could do without washing up liquid? And it just, it bothers me to see like the American translation because it, I don't know, coming out of her mouth in the UK series, it just sounds so much more elegant. Yeah. I also like in, in the UK version, when she asked him that question, he goes, none, I don't know. What's Mark been telling you? Right. And it's like, I just, I wish that I could use that sort of terminology that, that in just in real life here, but you'd sound like a complete wanker. And I probably sound like a wanker just being an American saying wanker. <laughs> it's okay. In the context of this podcast, it's okay to say wanker. We're, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, so anyway, we are back at uh, the office where Mark and Jonesy are getting ready to leave for the day. Mark wants to bounce uh, an idea off of uh, Jonesy. Yeah, and Mark just kind of looks at him and says, have you ever done something stupid to impress a girl that may or may not imply race hate? And Jonesy just looks at him with this kind of look on his face and just says, no. <laughs> and then Mark is just like, okay, well, you know, I just want to apply, you know, I just want to talk to the, about these other people that do accidentally imply they're Nazis. And Jonesy just kind of points out that that's really not that common of an occurrence. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of advice that somebody would have through experience on that, but Shofi so shows up into the scene and thinks that the heart represents how people in the office act to your face. And the swastika depicts how the office treats you behind your back. Again, different explanation than what we get in the UK series, but uh, you know, I, she justifies it in her head as well, you know, just because she got a little bit loose at the company party in Lake Tahoe doesn't make her a slut. Yeah, and Mark is pretty devastated to find out that the company retreat was in Lake Tahoe. But 
I just want to talk about this company retreat for a second. So we know at a minimum that Jonesy, Aaron, and Sophie were all there. I think it's safe to assume that probably Jerry, Mr. Burton, was there, and upper management was there too. And usually these retreats are like long weekends, you know, like four or five days. How the fuck did Mark not notice that all these people were gone? And more importantly, where the fuck did he think they went? <laughs> yeah, I I mean, that's kind of confusing to me. I mean, I've known of corporate retreats only lasting like over the weekend. So maybe it was just that he didn't get the invite. But this is kind of my argument towards Jonesy not being a complete asshole. It might not have necessarily been him that said, well, let's exclude Mark. It could have been, you know, anybody else, which, you know, Mark being Mark, he's not a very likable guy, really. Oh, so that's true. So, like, I don't think that it was necessarily Jonesy who excluded him and is treating him like an asshole. Because even in the next, uh, one of the next scenes, you know, where you see Jeff in the UK series doing it, you know, treating Mark a certain way versus how you see Jonesy react in the same situation. Like, I feel like maybe they were setting Jonesy up to be Jeff, but I just don't think that at this point, like, I immediately hated Jeff. I don't immediately hate Jonesy. Because he'll at least converse with Mark. Yeah, we also don't really get a lot of Jonesy in this episode. So I guess it's kind of hard to say, you know, like, where he, where they were going to go. Well, um, one, once we start writing our erotic fan fiction version of American Peep Show, <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be able to sort that out. You'll be able to find that on Amazon, hopefully. Um, but then after this, after this part, after they, she talks about the retreat in Lake Tahoe, we also get a scene by scene, beat by beat reenactment of the scene where Mark asks Sophie for her phone number and she writes it out and gives it to him. And he kind of counts it and goes, Hey, there's not enough digits. Women are always doing, Oh, wait, uh, never mind. You're good. Uh, that's <laughs> enough numbers. And then all of a sudden it just goes into this. Thus, little less, little less conversation remix. I believe, like Junkie Excel, is that yes, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, the little less conversation remix by Junkie Excel starts playing, and Mark just like bursts into the apartment, and he is absolutely elated that he got Sophie's phone number. Right, and so just like in the episode, except without the whole Bob Ross uh, thing from the UK series, he just goes goes in and calls Sophie and leaves a long rambling message, which. I mean, I think is a little bit more painful than the UK version of the message, but instead of something stupid again, it's relax. Uh, and this scene is one of the few kind of funny parts and one of the few pieces of audio that's actually going to be usable. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and play it here. I didn't prepare for <sighs> Hello, Sophie. <laughs> uh, Hey, so you gave me your number. Hopefully you remember that and you weren't like hit on the head in some sort of mugging or wilding. Uh, speaking of things that are wild, this is Mark from work. It's work Mark as opposed to play Mark. Um, you know, though I do have a playful side. Uh, knock, knock. I don't have a joke. That was just an example. I'm nervous. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just, I should relax. Like, but like the song says, relax. Don't do it when you want to go to it. 
This is not Mark. Oh, that's so yeah, awkward. It's like, not good. Oh, man. So brutal. Yeah, not not good. It was. I thought that it was more painful to listen to than the original because at least Mark's uh, UK Mark's version was kind of funny, uh, and I guess this one was too, but in a I don't know more pathetic way, which says a lot. Just, I just miss the oh shit, oh shit, and then Jeremy <laughs> just being like oh shit. I yeah. love that. I love that little. Even though they don't say much, I love that scene where they're just like, oh, shit. You know, I feel like there's a couple times in this pilot where, you know, the censorship on American TV really kills some of the jokes. Just because, you know, you don't have to swear to be funny, but sometimes it just really drives it home. And I yeah. think, you know, that that scene is like a perfect example. Yep, exactly. So um, at this point, Jeremy suggests they get a drink. And we get kind of the same scene that we got in the UK series where Jeremy's uh, laying in the in the bathroom, in the bathtub, and Mark's sitting on the toilet looking pretty disheveled, his tie's undone, his shirt's untucked. I mean, he's just looking like a mess. Yeah, and it's it's pretty funny. And he starts talking about how he's jealous of Jeremy's carefree life despite the fact that he doesn't make money. And he compares it to Bull Durham um, and I've never seen this movie, but I only can kind of assume that it's about baseball players that have a great time in the minor league. And then they come up to the professional league, uh, you know, they come up to the big league and then all of a sudden they're making a ton of money, but they've lost their love of the game. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but that's, that, that sounds approximately correct. And, uh, Mark's mentions, you know, you've been here for six months, you're three months late on rent. What kind of baseball player would be happy with a 500 average? And uh, Jeremy, Jeremy just looks at him and says, "All of them, every single what? What's the what was it? Ted Williams holds the record of like 404 all time or something like that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, hold on, let me Google that real quick. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't want to get fact checked. We'll uh, record we'll, we'll, for batting average in a season. Yeah, Hugh Duffy is number one with a four. A point four three nine seven batting average. Yeah, so not even close. But so yeah, that'd be great. But uh, you know, Mark being defeated, he just is like, ah, that's not the point. Yeah, and there's this Johnny Galecki is supposed to be drunk in this scene, or I should say, Mark. Mark is supposed to be drunk in this scene, and Johnny Galecki just really overacts in this scene to try to come off as drunk. You don't buy it. It, the overacting is just like super weird here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the next day at the office and uh, I'm not even sure if we have to tell you what happens here, but we will because it was in the episode. Uh, it is the scene where Mark goes and hides in the storage closet from Sophie and, uh, and Jeff or uh, Jonesy. And, you know, you get this whole thing where Mark is like pretending he's just going to be super confident and just go talk to Sophie and just tell her, you know, like, hey, don't judge me based on this message. I was just a little nervous, blah, blah, blah. And then he just sees Sophie and then he just goes right into the closet. And then after hiding in the closet, Jonesy just kind of opens it. And, um, <laughs> Sophie walks up behind them and, and Mark just says, Sophie, I'm very busy busy in the supply closet, and he just kind of slams the door shut. Now, this is another one of my points about Jonesy, is in the UK series, you get Jeff and the shit-eating grin. Jonesy is very neutral about it here. 
So I don't think he's an established asshole yet. But what what did he have to gain from opening the door in front of Sophie? Well, I mean, what does anybody have to gain by opening a supply closet? Pens, sticky notes, toner? <laughs> I mean, uh, good point, good point. <laughs> right? He, it could have been something completely innocuous. So yeah. we don't know. So uh, next scene, we are at a grocery store, just some random... I don't. It's weird looking, kind of older looking grocery store, and it, it almost to me looked like like Whole Foods or something like that. Yes, like that, it was weird. It looked like a very like posh grocery store. See, I disagree. I think it looked like, and I don't know if these two words can even go together, but like an upscale bodega. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking that it was probably a bodega. Yeah. So I don't know. There we go. Uh, so Mark comes running into the grocery store saying, well, I got your message. What's the emergency? Yeah. And Jeremy just looks at him and, and says the emergency is I'm hungry and I don't have any money. Now, what I want to know is how did Jeremy contact Mark? Because at no point in the series have they been presented as having cell phones. And yeah, I just don't get how Mark a knew that Jeremy needed needed or had an emergency and two how the hell did he know where jeremy was well you know if it was like their little corner bodega shopping place that they always go to that could be it and you could have said meet me here but i i just have a feeling that jeremy probably called mark at work from the house before he left yeah uh, i guess i guess maybe maybe I'm, i mean that's that's really just i mean that's kind of how shit used to work though i mean is is I mean it seems like forever ago. Yeah, but, that's true. Yeah. But so uh anyway, Jeremy, I'm hungry and I don't have any money, and then Mark is sees a help wanted sign uh that says cashier is needed immediately and forces Jeremy to apply right there there and then for a job at the grocery store as a cashier. And this this scene right here just kind of mimics Jeremy's interview from the interview. Um, he goes into this part where he talks about how he has experience exchanging money for goods and goods for money. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just go ahead and play the, the monologue because it's, it's, this is actually like, I don't think that Josh Meyer is funny in a lot of these scenes, but even though, even though they pretty much just rip off Jeremy's monologue from interview, his delivery of it is pretty funny, so let's go ahead and play it here. I noticed you didn't write anything under experience. Do you uh, have any? I do have some experience in that I've exchanged money for goods, and also goods for money. And I would look forward to building on that in this professional area. Or sphere. I meant sphere. Not in the sense that it's round, but more the abstract sense of spheres. Like an area. I guess... Area's fine. Man, that sounded awesome. I do not want this job. Gotta do something drastic. You okay? What did he do? You know, it's just this thing that I have. What thing? Facial spasming. You do not have facial spas. He does not have facial spasming. I do sometimes. <laughs> and yeah. I love the facial spasms. Like, that part, like, cracks me up every yeah. time. Yeah. You know, again, I'm just a little bit overdone, but, uh, you know, all in all, it was a, a decent scene. And again, probably the only other usable piece of audio out of this episode. Yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, um, but then Mark heads back to RMFA and he is agonizing over wanting to talk to Sophie and about the message, but he's a little too scared to do it. And then he finally just kind of mans up and goes and talks to Sophie, making sure that she didn't play the answering machine message for anyone. Right. And, you know, Sophie does her best to reassure him and says, you know, it was only an answering machine message. And that sets off Mark. I mean, he goes on the defensive calling her little Miss Sophie, perfect Sophie. And, you know, again, she just reassures him it's nothing to worry about. I kind of like this scene where he goes off on her because she says it was only an answering machine message. And he's like, what is only an answering machine message? So you're saying I should just be able to handle this? Like, okay, little Miss Sophie, perfect Sophie. And... (sighs) And then she just kind of was like looking at him like, what the hell? And right. then he just, you know, kind of calms down and he's like, oh, you didn't tell anyone, did you? And she pauses at this point and says that she did play it for others, but that it's funny and cute and people love that kind of stuff. And during this scene, I just want to add, this is why I'm kind of, I'm is this interaction in particular that made me say that that Sophie is probably the closest character match because I think some of the facial expressions and the the way that she talks to Mark is at least a little bit similar. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And after that, Mark just kind of walks off and he's feeling good about himself. Um, You know, hasn't been a terrible, hasn't been a great day, but hasn't been a terrible day. And he, presses the elevator button and the elevator door opens and it's Aaron Jonesy and Jerry all in the elevator. And you know what? I just thought about something. So it's been shown that Jonesy and Mark work on the same floor, right? And Aaron and Jerry both got off on his, on Mark's floor. Correct. Correct. Where the fuck are they coming from? They're not coming from the first floor because the elevator is going down. And maybe they maybe they had like a corporate meeting on the next floor up. I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, but so uh, as the door is closed, Aaron starts singing, or I guess I guess she starts by humming "Relax," and Mark knows he's just fucked at that point and gives a speech like "We're all delicate and sensitive," cr-. and uh, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, if I can, hold on. If I can, if the audio is usable, I'll just play it right here. Relax, don't do it. When one go to it. We are all just fragile, damaged creatures. Never forget it. Yeah, not very funny. And if we didn't play the audio, then you can just imagine a very unfunny scene. Right. Yeah. So uh, back at the apartment complex, we get uh, a monologue from Mark that uh, is kind of funny, but is interrupted by Marsha um, being completely neurotic, coming out of her apartment and like her shirt looks like it's kind of like half off. And uh, she asks him, what would it take for you to dump a girl? And he just looks at her and says, race hate kind of question, you know, race hate question mark. And, uh, you know, so she says, guys are all into me. And then they act like I've never heard. I love you after three hours before. So you can kind of, you can kind of start to gauge like, it's a little bit of a crazy streak. Yeah. And Mark is just like, you know what, Marsha, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's okay for you to love, love. And Marsha kind of looks at Mark and just invites him in. And 
I guess Mark thinks that they're going in there to bang because that's what it looks like they're going to do. I mean, that was my first assumption, but then we see Jeremy in the TV or in the living room watching TV and Mark walks in with his arms full of these Gemway uh, dishwashing products that Marcia sold him. (laughs) (laughs) And Jeremy just starts laughing at him. And we talked about this before the show, too. Like, UK Mark would have never been that stupid. No, hell no. He would have told her to fuck right off. I mean, I'd go as far as to say that UK Mark may have actually gotten laid because there was a little bit of a something between him and Tony for a very brief moment, I believe, in the first episode. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so, you know, Mark asks Jeremy if you got a job. Jeremy says no. And Mark just kind of threatens him. He's like, let, let, he wants to let his fists do the talking. Which and I think is, which I weird. think is a super weird thing to say. I mean, Again, I mean, again, I understand that probably they're not supposed to be the same characters they are from the British show, but then they just, but they use the same jokes. So it's hard for me to not, you know, um, you know, uh, it's, hard I, 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 know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Like the context of the joke doesn't work if the character is completely different. Exactly. And so for Mark just to like let his fist do the talking, no, they're they're he he ran away from children, yeah. And I was rewatching season nine, and there's a point in season nine where he punches Jeremy in the face, but that's only after Jeremy does some like horrible, horrible shit to him. So (laughs) it takes a lot for him to like physically assault somebody, right? So for about five seconds, they're circling each other, you know whatever kind of talking shit but then marcia suddenly just pops the door open and walks just trots right into the apartment doesn't knock or anything and uh, apologizes for the whole pyramid scheme and wants to give mark and jez their money back which is strange because she just sold mark on the on the stuff i (laughs) like five minutes ago yeah five minutes earlier mark probably walked out of her apartment with like a couple hundred bucks worth of Gemway products. And now she's just like, Oh, I'm sorry for the whole pyramid scheme thing. And, you know, let me, let me give you your money back to which Mark is just like, that's eh, cool. Just keep it. <laughs> which is again, very strange. Cause obviously with Mark being after Jeremy for the rent, he's must be strapped for cash at least a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Marsha just kind of walks off and, Jeremy just looks at Mark and says, Hey, do you think we can get her drunk? And Mark's just like, I'll make the sangria. Uh, and mercifully fade to black. And we get played out by a kick in the head, which I always <sighs> associate with fallout new Vegas. Sure. Oh, I can see that. Um, but I mean, just not good. I and- like, what do you, uh, I mean, I definitely see what they were going for, but yeah, it it is not good, Uh, especially since I think if the quality was better, like the actual, uh, like, and by that, I mean the video quality without the like audio artifacts and all that stuff. I actually think it would not be as bad, but with the audio 
artifacts in the video, like skipping. I mean, it literally looks like you're watching a VHS tape. Well, and I'll meet you halfway on that because I remember back in the day when you first told me, oh, you got to watch Trailer Park Boys. And then you watch that first season and it looks like absolute shit. Like not quite as bad as this, but it's not great. Right. But right. But I also Trailer Park Boys is filmed as like a documentary, whereas this is not. Right, and and the character and, and the and the character personality matches the context of their jokes. It's not just yes. like random bullshit thrown in just for the sake of it. So, like, I'll meet you halfway on that, but I still just think that this is something that never should have happened. And what's even scarier is that a third attempt to make American Peep Show is underway. I have faith. I have faith, though. Uh, this one is commissioned by stars. I actually did. I I'm actually glad you brought this up because I had meant to put it down as something a point of contact to talk about. So stars has done some really good stuff with their shows, and Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong have given this one like their official blessing. Well, I mean, it's it's better than what seems like they just kind of handed it off for this 2005 version. They didn't have anything to do with this. Right. And, you know, that makes me feel a lot better about them. Good good on you guys for uh, knowing when to step away. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, it can only get better from here. Yeah. There's not a whole... I mean... Uh, I actually have... I have... Actually, we have something exciting that we're going to do this episode that we've never done before. Do you know what that is? What's that? We got feedback from a listener about the episode. Wow. I'm so excited. L- legitimately excited. So, so I, I mean, are, are we talking like hate mail or no, no, like their thoughts, their thoughts on the actual episode. Wow. That's good. Normally it's just yeah. hate mail. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is from Laura from London. And she says, first of all, thanks so much for doing this podcast. You're welcome, Laura. It's brilliant. I love it. I'm a massive peep show geek, and I have literally been watching it since the very first episode in September 2003 when I was 17. I caught it by accident on a late night show at about 3 in the morning, and since then I've been obsessed with it. I even went as far to name my cats Pedge and Superhands. Pedge is dead now, but Superhands is still going strong, aged almost 10. So, thoughts on the US pilot. First, what the actual fuck? This is a car crash. (laughs) It's like a parody, genuinely. If Mitchell and Webb or Fry and Lori did a joke skit of a U.S. version of a beloved U.K. show, this would be it. <laughs> so I have not, I have not really read her feedback, but that's a very funny line. Um, I was appalled to see the little lad from Big Bang caught up in this. Thank God for him that this didn't get picked up. Also, is that Sophie character the student that Ross bangs in Friends? Yes, she is. Anyways, why is this not shot in POV? Why do we hardly ever hear their thoughts? What's the point of remaking a show without these elements? I don't understand why they've kept the exact jokes from the original because they fall flat here. I just feel sorry for the writers rewriting the old material and the actors delivering it. Anyway, my main issue here, aside from absolutely everything, is the Jeremy (laughs) character. He's terrible. Thank God. It makes you realize how brilliant Robert Webb ran with what could have become a ridiculous or parody character. Even his rubbish techno doesn't work properly in this version. I was also really sad to see a lack of Superhands, who is the best thing in Peep Show, let's face it, and Johnson. 
It's those little characters that make the show for me, and they've just totally written them out. Even the Tony character has been sanitized to the point where she becomes pointless. Actually, the only half-decent turn in this is from Mr. Big Bang, so clearly he was always destined to be a star. This Mark is still rubbish, but he's the least rubbish element. Cheers, Laura from London. Well, so, thank you, Laura, for uh, for giving us some feedback, and we, we like to hear other people's opinions on this. Because, again, you know, this whole podcast is just me and Sean talking about our opinions on it. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree that Jeremy was the worst part of this. And uh, much like you, actually, it was kind of the same way for me. I didn't start watching until, I want to say, 06. But it was back when BBC America would still play Peep Show, and it was at 3 in the morning. Same thing. I was up late drinking. And uh, just happened to come across it and just loved it. So um, I, I wonder how many people find this show that way. Because I've talked to a couple other people that kind of had similar experiences. Oh, finding Peep Show or our podcast? Uh, well, Peep Show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, a, a hearty night of drinking would probably be good if you're wanting to listen to our podcast. But with Peep Show, yeah, like, you know, it seems to air at weird times. And, you know, I don't, they don't air it at all on BBC America anymore. I mean, it's barely a channel now, but. Yeah, it, you know, I think that, I think that it, and, and obviously, I don't know how the show was received in, in the UK. Um, you know, like on, you know, like over here, Breaking Bad. As soon as Breaking Bad started to pick up, everybody started talking about it. So I don't know if maybe Peep Show had that same kind of like critical acclaim to it. Um, I know that my cousins that lived over there, when I when I told them that I you know was watching the show, they were a little surprised um, that I'd even heard of it. So yeah, well, I'm sure that there's probably a lot of people that just heard about it word of mouth or you know one of those shows like that. And, you know, we're hoping to spread the word with this podcast, too, because it's just like there are a lot of things in Peep Show. You know, Americans are used to seeing that, you know, three, four camera setup, you know, with the laugh track. And, I mean, again, we've talked about it a couple times, Big Bang Theory. I mean, I just think it's a garbage can of a show. because it just got renewed for two more seasons. <sighs> How is that possible? Anyway, yeah, look, the point is that, you know... Americans are used to a very certain sanitized version of their sitcoms. And uh, because of censorship and things like that, a lot of the jokes that work in the UK version could never come over here. Um, I mean, if actually you can go look online at YouTube, there's also an American pilot for the IT crowd. Yeah. And the IT crowd pilot, like also uh, the American version of the IT crowd also has um you know, where it takes the joke from the series, but the characters that deliver it just don't really uh, well, don't really okay. deliver it with the same gusto. So if memory serves, the the lead in that show was, uh, what was his name, Joel McHale from Community? And yes. uh, yeah, so Joel McHale is really good at playing, you know, the sarcastic guy, which I guess Roy in IT Crowd would be the sarcastic guy, but it's a, I guess it's a different type. And it just doesn't work because other than that, it's a shot for shot remake because Moss is still played by the same actor that played him in the British version. I've actually never seen the IT crowd, even though I know that you have recommended it to me before. It, you know, it's it's kind of hokey and silly and dumb. Like even the, I, and I and I'm gonna piss people off maybe by saying this. Even the British version is like you kind of have to either you're either gonna like it or you're not. Um, but it was almost a shot for shot remake. I felt like, but it just it didn't have the same. 
impact. So uh, we just need to stop as Americans. Uh, I'm going to apologize for taking so many good ideas from over there and then just completely shitting on them by the time they make it across the pond. Yeah. And, and I don't think that in an uh, American adaption of peep show would be bad if it was filmed with the POV had, you know, like, like one thing that I saw for, you know, this version on stars is to cast two actors that have chemistry. And one of the neat, one of the combos I saw um, somebody saying would be like kind of their dream would be key and peel. Um, yeah. You know, two I mean, characters that have, um, you know, two characters that are two actors that have uh, chemistry with each other or the girls from uh, broad city. If you ever seen that, I haven't seen Broad City. Yeah, Broad, Broad City is sort of the same thing, uh, but yeah, there. I mean, there's there's options, but it's the same thing. Like, look at uh, UK. Well, Top Gear now Grand Tour because the new UK Top Gear is horrible, but uh, the American Top Gear was. I mean, there was no chemistry. It was unwatchable. I don't even think I got through the first episode. And meanwhile, I've been you know watched what twenty seasons of UK Top Gear slash Grand Tour now. Like, it just doesn't work the same way over here. Yeah, it's I, I only watched one episode of the new Top Gear and I just it's terrible. And I have I've not gotten around to watching um Grand Tour even though I want to. No, it's it's fantastic. It it really is a, a great show, but um yeah, so uh, we apologize in advance for ruining everything that you do that's actually funny and making it completely unfunny <laughs> and unwatchable. But uh yeah. another, another thing I want to do is uh just give a quick shout out to the uh, the Facebook group, the Peep Show Quotes uh, slash, I guess, JLB Survivors group. Because it's been really fun over the last week or two to interact with y'all. And, you know, we really hope that you'll stick around with us for season two. Yeah. And again, it was really you guys that, that caused us to chart last Saturday. So uh, I know that 70 on a specific, you know, 70 out of 100, um, you know, that's awesome. Like, that is way more people than I ever expected to listen to this. And as of, as of this recording, we've had 87 listens of the funeral on our SoundCloud page. And it used to be, we were excited about 40 listens in a week and we've had 87 in three days. Um, So I definitely appreciate every all 87 of you that have listened to the funeral. And we've said it before, you know, we started this podcast just to have fun and because there just wasn't one for peep show really. And what it's turned into is just, you know, it's very exciting for us that people actually want to listen to our analysis and things like that. So uh, we, again, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate you uh, supporting us. Uh, The reviews seem to be pretty good. So uh, we appreciate all that. And that's kind of what keeps us going. Uh, and speaking of keeping going, uh, next time on the L Dude Brothers podcast will be the first episode of season two, which is called Dance Class. And this is just, I think it's a classic episode. Yeah, this is the first episode of Peep Show that I ever watched with you. And I am super excited to start talking about these episodes. Um, Dance Class is, is very funny. Doing the rewatch of it now. Um, there's some stuff that I had forgotten about, but man, there is a lot of funny stuff in this episode. And I would really like to attend a Rainbow Rhythms class. 
oh yeah, I actually want to see if there's something like Rainbow Rhythms, um, just so that I can go experience that and then give some firsthand analysis. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if you sit down in a circle afterwards and, and see if somebody calls you out for being totally not Rainbow Rhythms. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's one other shout out that I want to give because as we were recording this podcast, uh, I found a Mitchell and Webb's uh, Mitchell and Webb subreddit, and I linked our podcast over on the subreddit. And there is a gentleman named Strangely Brown who is reviewing our reviews. So he's like doing text review. He's fact checking all of our episodes. And so I just want to point out that um, you know I just want to thank Strangely Brown for fact checking us and keeping us honest. And Lee, he asked a question, and I don't know if you want to discuss this briefly since sure. we've got some time. Um, so he just listened to On the Poll, and he says, and I'm saying he, it could be she. Excuse me if I'm, you know, I don't want to misgender you. Um, so they say, your analysis of Valerie was interesting. Only question I had, which would I, which I would like to hear you guys talk about, is what she sees in Mark. I might have missed it, was listening on and off. So that's a good question. Um, do you want to talk about like what Valerie saw in Mark and why she was even interested in him to begin with? I do. So here's my take on it. Valerie, obviously a young girl. Mark, not an old guy, but certainly an older guy. Uh, Valerie is very counterculture and kind of gothy, and those people tend to usually... Uh, skew more to the outside. And at this particular party, which seems to be full of her brother and her friends and all these, you know, I don't want to say like jockey kind of people, but, uh, you know, the normal type of assholes you'd see in like high school or college or whatever, Mark is the outlier. So I think that's what makes Mark interesting to Valerie. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good analysis. I'm actually shocked that we did not talk about that in the, the actual podcast itself, but I, I would agree with you I, I would agree with you hundred percent that uh that she sees Mark as kind of an outsider and that's what kind of draws her to him. Right. And especially once Mark starts not flying off the handle but kind of going into his whole unmark part of that uh episode where he's, you know, smoking weed in the bathroom and, you know, bowling with fruit and all that kind of stuff. At that point they're just kinda like schlackered a little bit. They've been drinking, they've been smoking weed, so like like he can just kind of has her in the palm of his hand, so to speak at that point after again, having established that, well, Mark is the outsider, even though he is the conformist incarnate in the rest of his life, for the most part to her, he is the most interesting outside person at that party. Yeah, that's uh, I couldn't have said it better. So strangely Brown, that's our thoughts on Valerie and why she likes Mark. And thank you for the question. Keep them coming. Uh, yeah, you know, we, yeah. we, we like, we like to interact with our audience. So haven't had much yeah. of a chance to up until recently. And, uh, you know, we hope to continue to do that. I've met some, I've met some, you know, uh, I guess we could probably I, look, we're at, we're at a minute. So we're at hour 16. We've had hour and a half episodes before. So I just kind of want to like, I know we talked about it a couple times. I really just want to, say how cool it's been the feedback that people have given us um you know just the people just interacting and you know uh the people just interacting with us and talking to us is awesome and 
yeah, like I said, really, we really, really appreciate all your, your feedback and thank you, Laura, for the email and, uh, my buddy, Paul, shout out to Paul. He sent me a text message. He said, I asked him what he thought of the, uh, of the American pilot. And Paul said, it's horrible garbage and every joke is forced. So <laughs> we, we can sum up an hour and 15 minutes of this podcast with that line. Yes. But you, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we got, uh, we got the hard hitting analysis though, but definitely, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, the more that we get to interact with you guys, the more interesting or the different insight we can give you as well. And that's, that's fun for us too. So uh, help us uh, entertain you and uh, you know, just keep the feedback coming. Yeah, thank you guys so much for everything. And I guess with that, this is the L Dude Brothers signing off. And we will see you in season two next time. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. I, yeah, 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 yeah,